Well, folks, I want to thank you for attending this fundraiser for the protection of feral hermit crabs. Because of your generous donations, this year alone, we have seen the reshelling of over 5,000 crustaceans. At this time, I'm excited to introduce our special guest, hermit crab blogger and author of a new book on rural living called Go On Get! Let's welcome Dr. Bobby Gilmore. Well, Dr. Gilmore, uh, to kick things off, let's begin with a Q&A. Uh, does anyone have a question? Oh, hey, um, um, yes. Hi, Dr. Gilmore. Uh, I'm a big fan of your blog, and I hope Krusty regrows that claw quickly. But regarding your book, you seem to think that rural living is somehow better than living in a city. Can you elaborate? Yes, as a matter of fact, I can. Uh, cities are dirty. There are a lot of people. If you don't like dirty places filled with people, might I suggest you go on, get. Uh, uh, th thank you. Doctor, uh, is there another question in the crowd? Dr. Gilmore, I have heard you lecture before on the negative impact of wildlife on crops in rural farm country. Could one argue that a more modern lifestyle in the city is actually to be preferred over rural living? Mm, I suppose I'd take a few browsing dough over MS-13 any day. And if you don't want to get murdered, I suggest you read my book and then go on, get uh, Dr. Gilmore, Dr. Gilmore, I've been considering a move to the country, but I really like Starbucks. That's it. Go on. Get. Are cities better than rural places, or is the countryside the place to be? On this episode of Rural Pastors Talk. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Rural Pastors Talk, a podcast highlighting the advancement of Christ's kingdom in rural places, just like the town you live in. The rural church is not the baby pool we splash around in before moving on to bigger opportunities. It's not the place we're confined until we can take off those training wheels. And it is not God's penalty box as a punishment for breaking the rules. No, Jesus died for his people. And as long as Christ's people live in rural places, a vibrant, healthy, multiplying presence of his church will be there too. Hello, my name is TJ Freeman. I am the lead pastor at Wellsboro Bible Church in beautiful Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, and I am joined in a smallish office with... Hello, hey, I'm Joe Wagner. I am the mad here at Wellsboro Bible Church. That is member care, assimilation, and discipleship mad. That's me. What's going on, guys? This is Joshua McLaren, pastoral assistant here at Wellsboro Bible Church. What's going on indeed? Well, on this episode, Joe Wagner tells us... Peace! <laughs> That's right. I gotta go do church stuff. Later. Bye-bye. Mm, Have fun. See you later. Thanks for being there for that really serious and important intro. Uh, also on this episode of Rural Pastors Talk, driving in New York City or any city versus driving in rural Pennsylvania. Uh, the great comparison, is city ministry more valuable than rural, or is rural ministry more valuable than city? And I'll review something controversial and a quote from Rich, Rich, Richard Baxter to encourage you, Baxter. Hey, we're yeah. back to rhyming. I like it. <laughs> we were close. <laughs> so, Josh, have you driven in the city before? Yes. Which city? Uh, many, actually. Okay. So, the, New York City, we've needed to drop our friend Jorge at the airport. Mm. Manhattan, or were you somewhere else? Um, I don't know. Okay. I followed where the GPS took me to <laughs> JFK. Okay. Well, wherever that is. And then Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and then my wife and I went cross-country on a uh, road trip for our honeymoon, and we were in San Francisco, um, Francisco. Portland, a number of <laughs> yeah, a number of those <laughs> other cities. So yeah. I've had my fill of driving. Does it nerve cities. you up? Um, not as much as it used to, mm. and I think that's just come that's come with 
practice. Yeah. Even though I don't drive in cities normally, I think I feel like if you can drive in New York City, you could probably drive anywhere. Yeah, I think that's true. That said, the last time I drove through Manhattan, I thought to myself, um, I think I'm safer on the road here than I am safer on the road at home because there was no chance of a deer running out in front of me yep. in Manhattan. Um, the stop lights were so frequent that you get up to like seven miles an hour and you decelerate again right. very rapidly. The biggest challenge I found is knowing which lane to be in because suddenly there's a turn. Yep. And you have to go that way if you're in that lane. You got no choice. Uh, so that that part of it was hard. But I actually like driving in the city. Yeah. I can definitely see where driving in the city, especially more like the the particularly like bustling places, if you break down or even mm. if you get into a small fender bender, like you're going to be there. Whereas if you can, if you wreck in rural Pennsylvania, somebody might not find you. Yeah, for so a you long might not time. be found for a really <laughs> long time. So that's very, very true. Uh, and also the vehicles you drive in rural Pennsylvania might be more difficult to drive. Yeah. They're the bigger city. normally. Right. You have SUVs, trucks, mm-hmm. yep. big trucks, big tires. Yep. Get a little mud on them. Yep. So, uh, well, yes. Uh, I hope to drive to a city again soon because I enjoy them. Uh, and my wife enjoys them. We have a good time visiting. We were talking yesterday about how we really would love to get an authentic New York City bagel. Mm. And you, of course, know the best bagel topping. Sesame seeds? Uh, nope, the best one. The be- I don't know, man. What you do you tell think? me? Cream cheese? No, I was talking about the best one. The be- Listen, <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. The best topping is smoked salmon. And with okay. your smoked salmon, you must have capers uh-huh. and dill and lemon and some cream cheese. Joe's made this before, hasn't he? He has. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is unequivocally the best bagel. Good to know. Yeah. Much like- I've not been introduced to the best bagel then. Oh. Well, we'll have to go to New York City together. Love it. Let's do it. Good. Well, hey, on this episode, we are talking about rural ministry versus city ministry. We're putting them head to head. Okay. Who's going to uh, come out on top? Well, I don't know. Oh. I would say this, though. We like cities. Yep. We we, we just talked about enjoying them. Um, we like city ministry. I think, depending on how you published this, was our last episode with Ed Moore. Yes. So Ed Moore in Queens, New York, he's doing a wonderful work there alongside Keith Allen. And there's lots of good churches and lots of good cities. We've profited greatly from the work of Mark Dever on Capitol mm-hmm. Hill. In DC, we like cities. We like city ministry. Um, now, city ministry, it has been argued, is the best stewardship because you get the biggest bang for your buck. You you cast the broadest possible net. You're fishing from the most stocked, well stocked pond. Uh, and because we want to be good stewards, stewards, I said, like Stuart Little, mm-hmm. stewards. Mm-hmm. We want to be good stewards of the deposit God has entrusted to us as ministers of the gospel. We want to maximize his investment in us during this short time that we're here on this earth. It can be tempting to think, I therefore want to go to a bigger place. Mm -hmm. I'm not as much thinking, you know, my most effective ministry opportunity could be in a small place with fewer people. So can you think of any theological pushback that might come to bear on that? Yeah, I'm thinking about what our actual goal in ministry is to be. Does it look like success with numbers, finances, or even necessarily what we would consider from a human perspective is uh, kingdom impact? Mm. Or is it more what are God's measures for success 
and does that mean we have to do it in a city or is it possible to glorify the Lord in the same way you would in a city in a rural place? Mm, Huge question. So it it has to do a lot with what you think is most important. Right. So is God's work in redemptive history saving the largest quantity of people from hell or is there some other reason for creation and redemption Mm -hmm. that's broader than just people don't have to go to hell anymore? So we're going to help us get there by mm-hmm. going back. back to Genesis. Okay. So you know what we have to get in? The Bible. The DeLorean <laughs> <laughs> to take us back yes. in time to Genesis chapter 11. And I would be so honored if you would read this portion of scripture from Genesis 11, 1 to 9. And much like I warn the church when you choose a long scripture reading <laughs> on a Sunday morning, I'm going to warn our listeners, you now are going to hear nine verses from God's word. It is going to take longer than you're used to sitting and listening to something read to you. But this is good for your soul. This is the word of the Lord. So, brother, would you read that? Yeah. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come. Let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Made Babel. Mm -hmm. What's the indictment here? It looks like... Don't build big cities. Don't build big cities. That's right. From a rural church pastor's perspective we look at this and we're like told (laughs) you cities are bad yeah but is that the actual indictment here i don't think so so what is the issue seems like in verse four the people are rebelling against the very creation mandate that god has commanded humanity Uh to do like what we talked about a couple weeks ago yeah so two episodes ago we talked about this creation mandate where god has called humans made in his image to go bear his image to the ends of the earth and then to exercise dominion over his creation. So bear his image, care for his stuff. That's man's role over the the whole face of the earth. So we get to Babel and it's like humanity puts the brake on this thing. And what they're saying is, yeah, there's the whole thing about them making a name for themselves, but look, Look what that means. Otherwise, we'll be scattered all over the face of the earth. So God says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Yeah. They're saying, we better like build a really cool, awesome, big tower and this city that we can stay in. Otherwise, we're going to have to go fill the earth and subdue it. Mm. Total rebellion against what God's called them to do. So, Maybe even just a quick mention, too. This is almost like double rebellion mm. because the floods already happened. Um. So God has 
repopulated the earth through Noah and his sons, and there's just a return to the rebellion again of not wanting to honor what God has done. Yeah, absolutely, which God had repeated that phrase with yeah, Noah, right. that he's supposed to fill the earth and subdue it. So the, the marching orders are clear. Yeah. And here humanity, yeah, double rebellion saying, no, we're going to stop, and the way we're going to stop is by congregating yep. in one place so that we don't have to actually scatter. But the scattering is so important because of image-bearing and dominion. When God made us, he made us so that we would cover his entire creation with his image. Yep. And that his dominion would be exercised through us as his representatives from every nook and cranny to go back to bagels. I guess that's English muffins that have the nooks and crannies. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, every part of the earth is meant to be filled with the glory of God. Yep. So the objective of man is not to to get the most people in a region pointed to God, even though that's clearly part of our disciple-making mm-hmm. aim. But God's greater objective is not just lost being found. It is God's glory being made known through mankind and this humanity that he has then collected into the church. So the church, in a special and a unique way, makes the gospel visible, to quote the title of a book that I really like, mm-hmm. the church is the gospel made visible. So God, God's glory is what's at stake, and as the church is healthy and functions according to scripture in every corner of the earth, his visibility increases, his his image bearing is seen in in a more profound way, in a way that shows his manifold wisdom mm. through the assembly of the, the church. These image bearers called together uh, through the blood of Christ into one body. And then his dominion is being exercised as well. So it's not just gospel witness. It's a much broader picture, the very glory of God that's at stake. So what does this mean regarding Babel? If their gathering is the problem, their refusal to scatter what does this tell us about image bearing? We can't just stop with congregating in what we think from our human perspective is going to capture the most people or use the kingdom dollars in the best way. We need to be willing to go and scatter amongst cities and rural places alike to see God's glory manifested through the church. Yeah. So we're t- what we're talking about is the theology of rural ministry. Like, yeah. Is rural ministry actually something that's defensible in scripture? Yep. And as we've looked at this, we've recognized, well, God has called us to go everywhere. And now, now we're seeing an example where just staying in the city actually is a rebellion against what God has called us to do. So that actually does not highlight rural ministry over against mm-hmm. urban ministry or city ministry or whatever. Cause what what's happening now is in cities, there's tons of lost people there and Christians need to go there. And it's a right emphasis to say, we need to have initiatives that get us into the cities. Yeah. Um, but it is also uh, wrong to stop there and say, going to the cities is, is somehow most important, more important, right. worth funding, worth writing about, Etc. Etc. As opposed to rural ministry, yeah, because rural ministry is part of God's plan to fill the earth and to subdue it. Yep. Amen. What else you got to say about that? I think we need help to do this. 
Um, we need men and women to come to the rural places and be willing to help us subdue, to be willing to help us to preach the word mm-hmm. and see men and women repent and believe. We can't let it, let it not just be an afterthought or even I, I was just, as you were describing, thinking about churches um, and em- the emphasis being in doing ministry in the city. It's almost perhaps even an afterthought that what we do here will will have consequences and will trickle down to rural places. Mm. But we've said our experience is that, that that doesn't actually happen. True. So we don't want that to be an afterthought. We want it to be on the forefront of our minds and of the minds maybe of our brothers and sisters who may be able to help us with that. Yeah, so just a, maybe a couple categories for that. So I think about rural pastors who are laboring in a way where you're feeling like what I'm doing doesn't feel as important as it would if I were somewhere else. You know, if I were in New York City or Philly or Pittsburgh or something, I would feel that my ministry had more value. And that plays out in a lot of ways. You can get lazy in your preaching Mm -hmm. if you're feeling like what you're doing is less important. Mm. You can get lazy in your stewardship of your building, and it looks like a 1970s weird place that no one wants to go. Because you're thinking, well, what does it really matter? It's just us few, you know, country bumpkins around here. No one would ever say that, but take a look at the facility. So, some of the, the churches I've been to in rural places, it's like you don't expect a guest to ever walk through your door. And maybe a, a guest hasn't come in in a really long time, but, you know, there's no indication of how to get to the bathrooms. There's no friendly face like you on Sunday mornings saying the bathrooms are out there in the coffee bars in the bathrooms. <laughs> I might have misspoken last Sunday. Yes. I, need, I needed help. Don't worry. I caught it. You did. Thank yeah. you. Um, so, you know, things like that. It's like we got to think like we expect the Lord to actually do as he promised and here. build his church yeah. in my rural town. Yeah. And maybe your rural church is in the middle of a cornfield 10 miles from anything. And it's some old circuit rider church that's just been there forever or some Baptist church. And you're just thinking, no one even knows we exist. Why does it really matter? Well, because you have Christ's people, whether it's two or 200, sitting there, coming together for the glory of God, to, to serve alongside one another, to represent him together, to love one another so much that the people in your surrounding region actually know that Jesus Christ saves people hmm. because you guys love each other. Like the bar is so high and we can't look at rural and somehow in our minds think less significant, less important, um, doesn't have to be structured, doesn't have to be done well. You know, it's just us out here. Yeah. Th- that's just a wrong way to think. Um, were you going to say something? I saw you. No. It's okay. Good. And then on top of that, so that's one group to talk to existing rural pastors. And, and also just how you think about your ministry. It has such value in the declaration of the gospel, in the glory of God being made known. You should think about it in a way that's encouraging to your soul. It's not like like what we say in our intro. It's not some punishment where God's put you out in Siberia. Right. It is not some unimportant little baby pool that you're going to splash around in before maybe you get to move off, off onto something bigger. You shouldn't think about it that way. It's not like, oh, you're just not good enough to be somewhere else. It is a vital part of God's work to make himself known in every corner of the earth. No one may ever know about you, and that's just fine. That's not the point at all. Um, but you can make God known mm. through your ministry uh, as you 
faithfully and intentionally focus on what the scripture calls you to be and do. Just how you think about it matters. Second would be seminary grads, Mm -hmm. guys in seminary right now. Um, It would be so awesome for you to, to think as much about the potential of rural ministry for a lifetime as it is for you to picture yourself going to some crossroads town for a lifetime. Um, Josh, you're the quintessential example because you were headed to some crossroads town. Yep. And God brought you here. Yep. What would you say to the brother who's who's like you were however many years ago when you were but a mere babe mm. without facial hair yet? Still am. Oh. <laughs> um, how would you counsel somebody who's thinking, man, I can't wait to get out to Boston or to get out to L.A.? Right. right. Um, well, obviously pray and seek wisdom. Um, my wife and I wanted to get out because we grew up here and we were thinking, well, we don't want to experience for a season, the place where we grow up. Um, even that value I, statement, by the way, well, yeah, I, and I had the same value statement. Um, and I even think, so I'm a public school kid and I'm not, well, I'll not no, we public school now, you but say that. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, uh, that was the whole thing even drilled into my mind there. So even, even the world speaking into my mind saying like, go, go to college and you go like, Mm. don't necessarily stick around. So even speech from the world, let alone speech from even a, 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 a Christian context is like, you go, you go out, you spread your wings. Um, and obviously there is a sense in which you do that in marriage and things like this, but uh, be willing to consider, pray, seek the Lord, and seek wisdom. Would God, brother, have you serve in the context that you have grown up in? Uh, if he's gifted you and you are longing and desiring the office of overseer, why not do it in your hometown? Who cares about going anywhere else? You yeah. know these people. You love these people. You've grown up with these people. You have friends in the community. Why not serve the Lord there? Leverage that. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. It is. Um, you know, I still have, even though I'm not from Wellsboro, I'm a town half hour away. Once I again, still have, I still have relationships uh, from things like football or uh, other things. My family living in Mansfield, the neighboring town. Uh, my mom growing up there. There's still uh, links and things that come out at times, and it's just really neat to see the Lord work. So, first, just pray, seek wisdom, and consider: Do I? Do I, what are, what's my motivation for leaving this place? Mm, and that's, that's one good. of the things my wife and I came to is that we really didn't have necessarily a, it wasn't ungodly for us to want to go. Sure. And we could have gone and I think we could have honored the Lord in that's it. That's right. But I think the better decision was for us to stay and he's been gracious to, to bless our stay here. And so. we're, we're so thankful for that. And that's been good for, for our whole region actually. Mm. So, you know, something to think about seminary guy is, God has called us to fill the earth and subdue it. How does your your thoughts about your next step, where you would do gospel ministry, how does that reflect your theology about God's call for his people to fill the earth and subdue it? Mm. It's just something to think about. Crossroads towns are great. I hope lots of really qualified guys, like excellent pastors, go to crossroads towns and and that their ministry has a massive impact. I also think crossroads quality guys need to be in rural places to receive those who would come or to, to minister to those who stay uh, and not counting numbers or 
uh, budgets or any of those kind of things as your marks of success or fruitfulness, but looking at faithfulness to what God has called us to, to do and entrusting him to do that kind of work is what is so critical. And that is all I got to say about that. Lovely. So shall we move on? Yes. To stuff. Rural. Pastors. Can use. Reviews. It's no secret. Okay. I do not like clutter. No, that's no secret. When you walk into my office, do you see clutter? Nope. Sometimes. I've often been encouraged, Josh. I'm noticing some clutter. (laughs) Maybe you should consider cleaning it up, Mm, (laughs) like in my mailbox. That was nice of Joe to say. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm not not a big clutter guy. It's distracting. It can be unsightly. It also, like mutes a part of your brain because you ignore that area yep and now you've blocked it out um potentially unloving at times to be cluttered uh clutter is just unnecessary right so and yet uh, thank you um sorry somebody's outside the door waving at me i probably am supposed to be somewhere yet uh as in many homes across our great country um we have some clutter in our house Mm. we have in our kitchen a junk drawer Oh, I know. Uh, I don't hate it. I just don't like it at all. And it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Over the last several months, our junk drawer has been dying a slow and painful, obnoxious death because those little wheels on the slides keep popping off. Oh, yeah. And the whole drawer falls down and And spews everywhere. everywhere. Oh, yeah. And so I've said the junk drawer is off limits. Now I've come to a conclusion. Um, We're not going to have one anymore. Wow. I, have, I have decided it. I have decreed it to be so. So you might ask, what are we going to do with the hair ties? Because you have four kiddos yes. who are still in adolescence. The random magnets. Yeah. The button from my flannel. You know, Where are we going to put these <laughs> Where things? are you putting it, TJ? In the junk basket in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's my review. Get rid of your junk drawers. Get a junk Get basket. Get a junk basket. <laughs> that's in, all I got. And in the living room? <laughs> well, it's Isn't it like an unsightly see- sign- scene? No, it's hidden away. It's, it's in hidden. a basket. Okay. Never to be seen again. So I like it. There you go. Thank you. I dig it. Uh, quote, you want to quote us out? Uh, sure. Okay. In our first paradise in Eden, there was a way to go out, but no way to go in again. But as for the heavenly paradise, there is a way to go in, but not way to go out. Praise the Lord. Amen. Richard Baxter. All right. I am going to walk out the door and allow you to do the honors of closing out the show. All righty. Thank you. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for this edition of Rural Pastors Talk. If you'd like to greet us, say hi to us. Give us a review. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can email us at ruralpastorstalk at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week by the Lord's grace. Bye-bye.